You are now listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Doc, sharing insights through real, honest, and practical ways to improve your communication and relationships. Featuring your hosts, Dr. Pamela Kreiser, Meredith Edwards Nagel, and Taylor Polendo. Years ago, I was riding a horse in the mountains on a guided trail. All of the horses were following the guides obediently. Well, all of the horses except for mine. My horse kept trying to go off the trail and also would try to eat various greens along the way. I was so frustrated, but I was also a little afraid of the horse and a little afraid of what the horse might do. It was a constant battle between me and the horse. And the two hour journey felt like days. I was exhausted. After we finished writing, I sat down to chat with our teenage daughter. I was telling her how frustrating it was because I saw her horse obey her, but mine wouldn't obey me. But she quickly replied and said, oh, that's because when you handle the reins of your horse, she doesn't think you mean it. Mine knows that I mean it. That's why she doesn't even try to give me a hard time. (gasps) Really, I thought? My horse doesn't think I mean it? Our daughter was right. And because my horse doesn't think I mean it, she tries over and over again to see what she can get away with. Unfortunately, people are like this too. Have you ever left an interaction with someone and wondered, why am I still in a relationship with this person? Why do I continue to feel bad every time I speak with this person? Why do I put up with this? I know I've felt that way. Sometimes we let people into our lives who are emotionally expensive. You know, just draining. For me, there's nothing more draining than someone who doesn't respect my boundaries. It causes all sorts of problems. We've all heard it. If you aren't setting boundaries, you're inviting trouble. You're teaching people to walk all over you. In my experience, the more someone tries to please people, the more there is a struggle with boundaries. Sure, the motives are good, but in trying to keep the peace, somehow the peace is never created. I've heard people pleasers say, I'm afraid to set boundaries because I think people will think I'm rude or harsh, or they'll think I'm inconsiderate or selfish, or maybe they'll think I'm self-centered. Typically, people pleasers don't like to say no to people. They go silent or just go along. But sadly, these attempts to be nice get turned around. And when you and I don't say no, we allow people to say and do things that aren't right for us. So in an attempt to help the person or the relationship, it does just the opposite. It hurts both of us, because if you're constantly giving in to someone else's demands, you're essentially living their life, not yours. So how do we bring ourselves back to health? How do we get back to saying no? Well, first, let's get some clarity about boundary stress. There's no way to outrun boundary stress. It's inevitable in relationships. And the more you interact with people, the more we see that stress comes with the territory. But if stress is inevitable, the question becomes, do you want a little stress now by setting a boundary or a lot of stress later when someone violates it? Sure, setting a proactive boundary can be stressful, but the real stress comes when we are reactive, when we have to manage someone who doesn't respect our boundaries because they don't know my boundary or they don't adhere to it. That's the bigger stress. So how do we manage the people who resist our boundaries? In our last episode, we identified LaPerla's formula for creating a boundary. She advises us to create, state, and maintain. We've also stated that sometimes we'll get a negative reaction to our boundaries. And that's the focus of this conversation today. Remember the saying, if someone throws a fit because you're setting a boundary, it's just more evidence that the boundary is needed. Very simply, boundary management problems show up sometimes because we've failed to do the work in some way. 
sometimes our boundary management problems come from people having trouble creating boundaries in the first place. So if you're someone who doesn't know what boundaries you want in your life, it's probably time to get some. The fact that you don't know what your boundaries are is what feeds the boundary management problem. Perhaps you've been thinking that boundaries are mean or rude or that you don't want to be like that. But the truth is that not having boundaries is rude and mean. The people who test our boundaries tend to rush in and take over when there are no boundaries. So consider doing the work to create more boundaries. One of the ways to identify areas where you need boundaries is to look for the turbulence. This will give you a clue about what areas are important to you. Sometimes it comes down to articulating your boundaries. Be sure to let other people know what they are. Don't assume that people will just be as nice as you are. They won't. If you don't state your boundaries clearly to others, you open yourself up to people taking advantage of you. Now remember, you don't have to yell your boundaries, but you do need to articulate them for others. Keep in mind that boundaries are put in place to keep people in our lives. If you think about it this way, then boundaries are for managing the relationship you want and hope to keep, not a relationship you plan to lose. Now remember that maintaining the boundary is a crucial area. So stick to your boundaries. We don't want to signal, even accidentally, that we don't mean our boundaries. We just state our boundaries and we stick to them. But remember, you don't have to justify or explain your boundaries either. But be on guard for someone who wishes to talk you out of your boundary. Don't let them. Remember, the other party's reaction is simply their reaction. It doesn't invalidate your boundary, and it doesn't determine your worth. Think about it. People don't like hearing that the world changed from having no rules to having new rules. Since we know some people won't like our boundaries, let's talk about some strategies. Now, the first strategy is to understand the why. Now, this is different from what we talked about in our last episode. Last episode, we talked about understanding your why as the reason for the boundary. Now it's time to understand the other party's why for resisting your boundary. So do some thinking about this. For example, if you determine that the other person doesn't understand how to treat people, that's why they're resisting, rather than assuming that they will figure it out, you will need to specifically articulate how you expect to be treated. Make your expectations obvious. Or if the other person complains about the boundary being mean, address this myth directly by describing to the other party that the boundary is in place to promote connection. It isn't mean. The second strategy is to plan your response and your non-response. So rehearse non-dramatic responses. Practice having a neutral response to the boundary resistor. Plan in advance what you want to say regarding the boundary. And stay firm in your resolve. This might be an explanation that you provide to promote clarity, but remember it isn't a justification, nor is it a negotiation. Now, sometimes people get angry about our boundaries. And if someone gets angry about your boundary, plan a non-angry response. The key is to refocus the conversation on what you need, not how they should behave. The third strategy is to evaluate reducing exposure to the situation or the person. Now, even though the focus of this podcast is about improving relationships that we want to keep, there are some relationships in our lives or situations in our lives that need to be reduced or ended. Evaluating our relationships and exposure to certain situations or people is important and should be done in advance rather than as a reaction in the moment. Again, this requires some reflection on your part. The last strategy is for the relationships we want to keep, and that is to focus on the future of your relationship. Discuss how you want the future relationship to go because you want it to continue. 
you're setting a boundary so that you can have a future. Well, I just want to say I feel personally attacked. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you feel attacked, Merida? Okay, I don't really. I think it's two specific things really stick out to me in this. One is the supposedly keeping the peace aspect of a people pleaser mm -hmm. and the feeling that having strong boundaries would mean that I'm selfish or self-centered or that I'm rude. Mm -hmm. I resonate with having those thoughts. And the other is I circled stress three times, wrote down, Meredith, what do you want for yourself? Proactive stress or reactive stress? Mm, that's good. I like that. Because there's going to be stress. Yes. And I like the proactive more because I find I react to stress. And then it makes me have to think about how to plan to not have an angry response. And that sounds like a lot of extra work. <laughs> yeah. You know what just popped into my head when you were talking is creating boundaries is like giving someone the rule book on how to deal with you. If we think about it in that analogy, if I know there's some rules that I like, but I don't tell them to you, you actually have to guess what they are. Yeah. That's kind of mean. That's kind of mean not to share it, right? Yeah. Even to reframe it and make it a little bit more positive, the guidebook. Yeah. Rules is kind of negative. Don't do this. Do this. Yeah, true. All of this is to help your relationships and to help others know how to treat you. And so it's like a gift rather than a, here's my do's and don'ts. This is your manual. Yeah. It's the guide to proper use. It's helping someone else relate to you in that way. The first thing you talked about was thinking that you're keeping the peace. Yeah, I, I wrote, am I really keeping the peace? Mm -hmm. I think it's almost a facade of a people pleaser to think that you're keeping the peace by doing all of this people pleasing when ultimately inside I do have an internal dialogue with myself, which goes then back to what you're talking about. Can't assume people will be the way you are because they won't. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've done that. I think that this is part of a, a good development, at least in myself, if somebody else feels that way, that too, mm -hmm. that it's actually kind to speak that if you want to call it a rule book, if you want to call it a guidebook, if you want to call it just, hey, this is the way I want to be treated to people in my life. Right. And then also learning who's respectful of that space in my life yeah. and who isn't. That's good. Yeah. Because that also speaks volumes, I think, of other people around you and yourself if you can't respect someone's boundary, you know? Mm -hmm. Let's talk also a little bit of stress now versus a lot of stress once the boundary is violated. I like that you discussed why is it more beneficial to be proactive in this area of my life and my relationships versus being reactive. Mm -hmm. I was thinking of what we talked about last week. So if someone constantly was using something that felt very precious to me, you know, without asking, then if I'm not being proactive after I notice the pattern, say my boundary to them, then I'm actually doing a disservice to the relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we had the example I gave in an earlier episode, the new married couple and the mom with the key. Yeah. And when they got married, they wanted her to give the key back and not come over whenever she wanted. Mm -hmm. So this is an interesting problem, right? So let's think about it from the resistance side. So we have mom saying, I don't need to give you the key back because I want to come over whenever I want. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting problem. Of course, we all cringe 
<laughs> thinking from the couple's side that what a terrible idea to have mom have a key and come whenever she wants into the newlyweds apartment. It's an interesting example because as you heard me say, people who don't have rules don't like hearing they have new rules. Mm-hmm. So we see mom doesn't like that. So there's a few key things to think about. One of the big ones that I mentioned was why is she resisting this boundary? Before we talked about our why for the boundary, and we know the couple's why for the boundary. They want it because they want their privacy. They want their intimacy protected. They want control of their home. What's her why? Why does she want the key? Now, some of these whys are not that attractive, but we should break it down anyway. So what's mom's why? She wants to be in control or she wants to not have anything apply to her, like the rules. As soon as you identify the other party's why, you can easily think, you know what, that's a reason for my boundary. Because if mom wants control of my relationship with my new husband, that seems like a very bad idea. Hmm. As soon as I put those whys next to each other, mm-hmm. I want it so we have a good relationship. She wants it so she's in the middle of everything. Yeah, that's bad. Comparing the whys, I think, is a very interesting strategy on a boundary resistor because it helps us see the validity for the boundary that we put in place. Because usually when people resist, it's not for a good reason. It's because they don't like it or they don't want to be controlled or they don't want to have to be responsible or whatever it is. So they try to make it about us. And I think that's an interesting thing to think about is to think about what their why is for their resistance. You ready for a quiz? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) The first one's a question from a survey in the United States. What percentage of people say that they agree to accomplish more than they can actually accomplish in the time they have available? What percentage? I'm going to say 67. No. Yeah. Nope. 77. Yeah. Go ahead, Taylor. I was going to go with 60%. You got it, Taylor. Yeah. (laughs) Great. All right. Very nice. Finally one. I feel like there's some cheating going on. Like you guys canoodled before (laughs) we got together. Canoodled. Okay. Next one. In a survey of workers from Australia, New Zealand, the United Kingdom, and the United States, what percentage said they are overworked? Hmm. I'll say 82. Why do you keep going right for I want to be? 80. Okay. You said 82. Everyone can win. No, I want to win. <laughs> we'll go 75. Okay, crazy. It's 82. Get out of here. <laughs> nice. I mean, we did not discuss this, Taylor, before. Don't worry. <laughs> it's amazing. I have a tie-breaking question because now the competition is one-to-one. <laughs> I'm going to crush you, Taylor. In a global survey exploring the degree to which people feel overwhelmed, mm. Who was higher? A, women more overwhelmed than men. Mm-hmm. B, men more overwhelmed than women. Or C, equally overwhelmed. Were they honest? <laughs> Global survey. Different countries. Yep. I'm going men. I haven't decided. I haven't decided. Don't answer. Please, please. Let me use my brain. Let me let me do some math. Do you need a calculator? I need to do some calculator. <laughs> let me get my calculator out. Just one second. I'm going to say equal. And the answer is equal. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's a terrible thing to win on. The world is overwhelmed and overworked and stressed <laughs> out. And I'm a winner. 
Well, let's talk about ways to reduce the stress. All right. So the first thing to do is to ask why are they resisting, which probably gets down to the root of what's going on within them. So you literally have to plan your response preemptively. <laughs> yeah. Practice well, let's talk about ways to reduce happens. the stress. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have a lot of conversation in your head? I do. Oh, yeah. Rehearsed interaction for sure. Mm-hmm. Does it always go better in your head or worse in your head? Uh, I think it goes better when it's practiced. I think it doesn't go as well until we actually say it. And I think there's a huge difference between thinking it through and actually practicing it like role-playing. Yeah, I recently had a conversation I didn't want to have, and I actually wrote notes on what I wanted to say. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I've ever done that before, but it went so much better. And then while we were having the conversation, it wasn't in person, I also took notes. Mm. So then I could go back and kind of look at like, what did we agree to? What did we talk about? And it went way better than I anticipated. And I felt like the relationship went deeper and grew and if you've practiced, because then you can speak clear, even if you're flustered or frustrated. Mm -hmm. And I like that it's planning a non-angry response or reaction. Mm -hmm. Response is different than reaction. If I'm reacting to something, it's that good. It takes me all the way back to that stress reaction. Mm -hmm. And I don't tend to react very well in that instance. But if I have thought out and I can think of some relationships where I do have to have these internal dialogues because I can see them going any which way Mm -hmm. and I want to manage that relationship because I want to keep it, but I have to practice the different ways I could say things, you know, to somebody. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like practicing saying something to somebody three different ways, just in case they don't understand it the first way you say it. Mm -hmm. The inherent idea that you're practicing a non-response settles you down from having to defend and fight, mm-hmm. right? If you're thinking I'm planning my non-response, that inherently is calmer. I'm not going to get all in someone's mm-hmm. face the minute they violate my boundary, right? And it's non-dramatic. I do love that. Mm-hmm. If you're planning for the worst and then they never actually do break that boundary, or if they do, by planning these out, I like that You've kind of taken all your emotional response and your guttural response to being frustrated. They just broke your boundary to like, oh, I've already planned for this and I know exactly what I'm going to say. And it puts you in so much more control. Definitely. Like what you were saying, you're not reactive, but you have your planned response. I like that. Do you have examples of that with friends or in your life that could help me know how to do this better? Remember, it's about focusing on your needs, not their behavior. Mm-hmm. And that gets you out of trouble. So let's say, Meredith, you have a friend who needs a ride to Los Angeles airport. Mm-hmm. And you had planned to go to your yoga class. Okay. And this friend tends to ask you for rides often. And you tend to say yes, even when you don't want to. Okay. And you were trying to become very committed to regularly attending the yoga class, let's say. Okay. You had thought about it and you really said, I'm not going to let other things distract me from this. I'm going to commit to going three times a week. These are the times. You had already decided that your friend needs a ride to the airport and you say, I'm not available. Now, a lot of times friends say, well, what are you doing? And they're already starting to shake the boundary. As soon as they say, why can't you take me? And then you have to make the choice. Do you want to explain and justify that boundary? Then you open the door for them talking you out of that boundary. You can go to yoga another time, they say. You can miss a class. I resist my own boundaries. I'm already thinking in my (laughs) head, I could go to yoga another time. I'll take (laughs) it. So self-destruction, yeah. 
I self-destruct my own boundaries. Great. This is a great lesson. Resist yourself, Meredith. Anyone else out there? Resist yourself. <laughs> it's not wrong for them to ask you for a ride to the airport. Yeah. It's just not a behavior that's going to work for you that day. You said focus on your needs, not another person's behavior. Mm-hmm. And that's how you manage your boundary. Mm-hmm. Focusing on what you need is an easier conversation to have than you shouldn't have even asked me to drive you to the airport because you know I have yoga on Monday night. That's going to get you into an argument yeah. that's not going to work. Yeah, that's too much. Because then you start getting into the validity of the yoga, which should never be debated. It was your yoga class for your health benefit. Yeah. But we could do something more personal. Somebody at work touches you in a way that you don't want to be touched. So then you think, okay, I'm going to have the difficult task of saying why it's not okay for you as a coworker to talk to me with your hand on my shoulder while we're having a conversation. Mm-hmm. Let's say you decide you don't want that level of touch. Mm-hmm. Taylor, are you cringing? I'm totally cringing. Yeah, me too. Internally, I'm dying over here. Yeah, okay. (laughs) I would hate that conversation. Okay, so somebody's touching you while you're talking. It's at work and it's not common in your work. You decide you're going to lay down a boundary. It doesn't mean that touching someone's shoulder is right or wrong. You're just saying for you, that's not a behavior that you are comfortable with and it needs to stop. Mm Mm-hmm. The thing you could say to that is, wow, you're going to let that person go around the workplace and do that to everybody. And here's what I would say. That's not my job to manage that. My job is to manage me and to think, this is what I need. I'm not going to tell you whether your behavior is right or wrong. I'm just going to tell you it's not right for me. That's so hard. Could you say that? Yeah. I think you could say, I'm not comfortable with you touching my shoulder when we're having a conversation, Mm. which is talking about your needs. I'd just dip and be like, no, thanks. I feel like, oh man, I'm so sunburned. Please don't touch me. (laughs) Wow. Such avoidance. Then they'll be like, it's winter. You're not, you're still sunburned. (laughs) I know that would make me so uncomfortable. I don't know if I could do it. But you talk about your needs that it it doesn't work for you. I'm uncomfortable when you're touching my shoulder when we're talking. Mm -hmm. So I need you to stop doing that when we have conversations and deciding to not be dramatic, not yell. Where it goes wrong is we don't say something. We don't say something. They do it the fourth, fifth, sixth time. And then we go, oh my God, stop touching me. Yeah. And then they'll say, well, you never said anything before. It's like weirdly fair to yourself and to another person. Yes. To know how to manage boundaries. All right, let's do another one. Okay. You've been invited to dinner and you're exhausted. (sighs) So you say you can't go, and they say, why can't you go? You always go. Don't you love us? This is hard because if I really am saying no to do nothing, I don't want to tell them. Probably the people pleasing in me. I feel that if I say no for time with me because I'm tired and I want to be alone, I just don't want to go with you. I don't know how to say it. I don't know. I don't know how to go there. So I'll just, I'll, I would probably do avoidance there. Like I would just say, oh, I'm, I'm just really busy. I'm sorry. I can't make it. So you'd lie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so true. I, it's like a white lie. Well, I mean, it depends. I want to say it depends the person. Like, cause if I'm close with somebody, probably just say, I'm like really tired. I don't think I'm able to make it. But most of the time I think, I probably just say, I can't make it, but I don't really say why or say because I'm busy. Okay, so avoid or lie, but don't set the boundary. Oh, 
Oh God. I'm the worst. I'm the worst at that. I know we've talked about this. You might be charitable Mm -hmm. and give them the reason why and say you're exhausted. Here's my pause about offering exhausted to them is I'm worried they're going to debate that I'm not exhausted. So if I say I can't make it because I'm exhausted, they're like, you got eight hours of sleep last night. You're fine. We're going. Mm. Now you have to actually follow that up and say, no, Mm -hmm. it's not right for me to be this tired and go, Mm -hmm. but you can do whatever you want to do. The flip side to that is I feel like if you went and you're truly exhausted and you shouldn't have, it's going to cost you something big Mm -hmm. the next day at work, maybe your work performance. Mm -hmm. That's true. But also it's not going to be probably the hangout they wanted. Yeah. When people have said yes to me and I could have sensed, oh, they probably should have said no because they have a lot going on. And then the hangout, they're rushed or yeah. say you're tired. You know, it changes. It would have, I think, ultimately would have been better just to say no and have the smaller disappointment of being honest up front than to kind of go through the motions and then leave them in a larger disappointment later. Yeah, that's good. And I think a way to say that perhaps would be to say, I'm not feeling up to going out and that it won't be the fun experience that I want to have with you. So I want to wait and schedule time with you when I'm really ready to, yeah, to have fun or to socialize or to whatever. Mm-hmm. That's easier to hear than no. Yeah. The, the yes woman voice in me is wrestling with this conversation because I felt that I have said yes to something, even though I'm tired, but I also really want to go. Mm-hmm. I have FOMO big time. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, a lot of this comes back to knowing yourself and saying what is going to be best for me today. Yeah. I think that's the thing I'm learning from this is part of knowing how to manage yourself and your boundaries is it feels this whole, this whole chapter to me is circling back to just that moment of pause to know yourself. Okay. I feel like I get asked, I'm like, yes, I want to be there instead of going, let me think for a second what's on my plate. And if that's a good idea for me. Mm -hmm. I think too many times we don't stop and ask that question. And would this be a good thing for us? Because per Taylor's point, you were saying, you know, you don't want to get into the engage in the interaction and then not be able to be present. Yeah, that's true. I've noticed that in me before and I hate it. And then I feel guilty for not being as present as I would have liked to be. Mm -hmm. But it would have just been better to say no, probably. Mm Mm-hmm. Great. So I'm just like the the blah of this subject. (laughs) (laughs) You're happy to conclude the series? (laughs) I want to be more proactive. I want to reduce stress. I always like to find ways of reducing stress. And so I am appreciating that by planning responses in advance, by planning non-dramatic responses, I'm making things more clear and promoting clarity in my relationships. I like the conversation we keep having about what Brene Brown said in terms of clarity is kindness. Mm -hmm. I want to be kind in my relationships. Mm -hmm. And so I like that actually being clearer and knowing myself better, taking the time to pause, respond, be proactive, be lustrous of a person is actually kinder to myself. Mm -hmm. I'm learning that's a good thing. Be kind to myself and to be kind to others around me, you know? As we wrap up, let's review some ways to be kind to ourselves and our relationships. To be kind, we need to give people the manual for how to treat us in our relationships. We need to manage our relationships by understanding the why behind those who resist our boundaries. 
We need to carefully plan our responses and our non-responses in order to be more proactive and reduce relationship stress. Overall, it comes down to understanding our own needs and communicating those needs to those we care about. Because being clear is kind. Well, we hope you are enjoying the series that we're doing on boundaries. Our next episode is about gaslighting and manipulation, featuring counselor Stacy Ross. Thank you for joining us today, and please remember to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. Thank you for listening to Asking for a Friend. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Our email is hello at afafpodcast.com. This show is for educational purposes only and is copyrighted. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting. Thanks for listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Talk.